in today's show. We're looking back at the Atlanta Hawks regular season. Fantasy basketball, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're here to look back at the season for the Atlanta Hawks. By the time you listen to this, maybe their season's over. I don't know. I'm recording this on the 17th of April, just after they lost game one of the playoffs to the Miami Heat. But fantasy basketball is a regular season thing. So we're going to be talking about the production of the players during the regular season for the Atlanta Hawks. So let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hawks, what do they look like record-wise? 43 and 39 was their record. They have their own two picks. Pick 16 and pick 44. All right, that's fine. Tankathon mocks their guys as at 16, a guy that I don't know how to pronounce his name just said, Jeremy Sochan, Sokan, Sokan. I, I need work, I know. Dalen Terry is the other guy that they've mocked to them at 44. So nothing too exciting happening in the draft. In terms of free agency, contracts, that sort of stuff, DeLon Wright was an, is an unrestricted free agent. thought he was really important for them in the play-in game especially. Um, and it was ridiculous that they took him out of the rotation during the season. I think he's a very strong backup point guard. And they should look to bring him back as some solid play there behind Trey. Lou Williams is unrestricted. I'm pretty sure he's retiring. Kevin Knox is restricted. Cool. See you later. Um, see you down in Australia for the NBL next year. Gorgie Jeng is unrestricted. No need to bring him back. And Timotei Lawawu Cabro, who they played too much, some might say. Everyone would say. He's unrestricted as well. He's only 26, Luau Cabro, and he is at least a rotation-caliber-ish, back-end rotation-caliber-ish guy. So I could see them maybe bringing him back on, on a minimum contract. Sharif Cooper was a two-way guy as well. Um, he's restricted. I would expect they bring him back. He struggled early on, but towards the end of the season in the G League, he started to put up some pretty good numbers. So he, he's an interesting prospect. I still haven't completely given up on on being able to make some sort of an impact in the NBA. But yeah, free agency-wise, there's not a lot they're doing. They're well over the salary cap, of course. Trey Young's max extension kicks in. How much that is depends on all NBA votes as well, I think. Um. So yeah, not not a lot of change I'd expect there. Even trade-wise, maybe John... Actually, that's not true. John Collins, maybe, is a trade option. Kevin Herter, maybe, is a trade option. You know that Trey's not going anywhere. A Kongwu's not going, going anywhere. What are they... Capella's an interesting one. Is there potentially a move on the cards for Clint Capella? You would think at some point that they will look to transition him out of that starting spot and put a Kongwu in there. But we don't know exactly if that's what they're going to do just at this point. They were the what, second best offense in the NBA, 26th best defense. So it's obvious where improvement needs to come. But how do you make that improvement? Not through the 16th pick in the draft. Is it through trading John Collins or you know, trading Gallinari, putting Jalen Johnson into the rotation, a little bit of defense there with him? Is it by you know, more minutes for D-line right? Like, how are you going to get 
that defense to improve. It's always going to be tough with Trey and Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Herder and even Collins, those guys in the rotation. They're not good defenders, but that's how you push to be the second best offense is by having those guys in the rotation. They were two games under their expected win-loss, so sort of about where they needed to be in that area. Let's talk players, and of course, we have to start with Trey Young, who was fantastic. Last season, before last season, the Hawks loaded up and brought in a bunch of guys, Bogdanovich and Gallinari, and we were a little bit worried, where's Trey going to fit? Um, how is he going to, you know, what is his usage going to be as sky high? And it did drop off last season for Trey. This year, even with the same players around, he just went bananas. Fifth-ranked player. Played 35 minutes, 28, 4, and 10. A steal a game, three threes, 46 and 90. Attempted eight threes per game and hit them at 38%. In the past, he hasn't been the best three-point shooter. We know we look at him as this guy that's bombing deep threes, which he does, but the percentages and the volume haven't always been at that level, but he was excellent to take it to that new level. He was 10th in points leagues, averaging almost 47 points per game this season, and you'd think he's going to be a pretty big staple in the first round uh, for years to come, and we look at what he did. The 34 usage, that might change marginally. We saw Bradley Beal drop from 35 to 30 usage this year. It's not unreasonable to think that maybe there's a dip in Young's usage. The 10 assists is the other area to look at that maybe, but it's not like he got by on a fluky high steal number. One steal, 0.1 blocks, like they're not big numbers. 90 from the line, while we expect him to be good there. 51 from two, yeah, may maybe there's some percentage drop off. I don't think I'd take him at five, but in the top 10, I'd feel pretty good about getting Trey Young in. He obviously, pretty obviously, led this team in Raptor, especially offensive, plus 7.7 is a huge number. 98th percentile in EPM, 99th in offensive EPM because he was massive there. Huge wins added number, well above average true shooting, marginally above average effective field goal percentage. Doesn't finish at the rim well. That's something he needs to work on, just 55% there. And hit his mid-ranges at, at a high number. So that I guess it's a little bit of a worry. And he did take a lot of mid-ranges, Big, big percentage. Almost the same as his three-point um, attempt rate was from mid-range, and he hit him at 49%. So I guess that's a level of concern that his efficiency might drop off there. So let's just watch that for next. It's not going to take him out of the first round, but probably if that falls back, which I expect, it'll fall out of the top five. Um, yeah, led the team in uh, LeBron. Again, this is not a surprise to, to suggest. Like, I don't know who else you would ever consider. It's just more like, yeah, the, the narrative, the... The idea around Trey is actually reflected in all the numbers as well. Way ahead in um, uh, Darko as well. His on-off was a plus 3.3. That probably is not as good as what you would hope, but it's better than in the past where they just completely fell off when he was on the bench, and that helps when you have Bogdanovich and DeLon Wright running that second unit. So Trey was obviously really, really important this year, and a bit of a steal at ADP 13 for the season. But betonline.net is your number one source, much like Trey Young's, the Atlanta Hawks' number one source for points and assists. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. I wonder if they've got USFL. I watched some USFL highlights yesterday. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Who's next on our list? It is Johnny Collins, the Baptist, the 56th ranked player on a per-game basis. He was drafted 44. Yeah, so it's not far off. Those times of him being top 13, top 15 are done unless he moves to another team. 
the Hawks and Collins, while he does help them, it just doesn't feel like it's the easiest fit in terms of what Collins wants. And the fact that the Hawks will just say, John, you only need to play 30 minutes a night. He played 31 a night here, missed the second half of the year with that broken foot. He did return, oh yeah, sorry, that foot injury. He did return in the playoffs and he might be returning as we speak in the playoffs and depending on you know, where, when you're listening to this, but he is back and he is on the court. In game one, he only played 21 minutes and he came off the bench. I would imagine that would start to ramp up there. And that's the only information I've got on that. He averaged 16 and eight for the season with a block, 53 and 79. One of the big keys for Johnny Collins in fantasy is big field goals with good free throws. He can stand to improve that steal number. And in, in the past, he's been a 20 and 10 guy. I just don't think on this squad, that's what he's going to be. I just don't really think that's a realistic expectation for John. We would look at him again in that 50 to 70 range. I wouldn't be concerned necessarily about the injury, but remember he missed 25 games that one year with a suspension. Now he missed 20 games, 25 games again with an injury. It's been a little bit rocky in that regard. He's still only 24 and he won't turn 25 until halfway through the season or December, January, I think it is. So he's still pretty young, still got some room to improve. I'm just not sure where it comes from. The big thing for him is just going to be volume and it's just not going to come on this team. He needs more time. He needs more touches. Um, the other thing he can improve, I guess, is his defensive stat numbers. They can improve. He still posted some really impressive advanced numbers. Negative 1.4, sorry, positive 1.4 on Raptor. That's really strong. Third on this team in EPM in the 86th percentile overall in the NBA. Really efficient scoring, really efficient around the rim. Um, hit his threes at 38%. Very strong rebounder. Just needs that little bit of work on some of the defensive stuff. But it wasn't a complete disaster. I thought, again, he was really solid in his role. Just there, we know that there's more in it. We know there's more he can do. And we saw a little bit of a drop-off in his production this year. And it does give me that little bit of concern that if he does remain in Atlanta next season. He was actually a negative 1.5 on-off as well. If he does remain in Atlanta next season, like maybe he's not a top 60 guy. Maybe he's a sixth or seventh round player. Maybe he's a 65 to 70 sort of a guy because we saw that production for John start to tail off as the season went on. Let's talk about a really disappointing player and that's Clint Capella. As we currently record this, or as I currently record this, Capella is out with a knee injury in the playoffs. They said there's nothing structural, but he's out for three, at least a week. I don't know what that means. And where his future lies on this team, I just don't know. He's got three more years left. 19, 22, 24 million dollars. Sorry, 20, 22, 24. There is three years left on his contract. So three years over 60 million. That'll take him through to age 31. And there's a guy behind him who's really good. And that's Anyeka Okongwu. Will they look to cash in on him? Well, we were frustrated by Capella for a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. He was this year the 94th ranked player. He had an ADP of 43. There are others. Remember, I had that debate with Jared Johnson, who loves Clint Capella. And he was like, no, I'll, I'll take him early. Like, I, I know what he brings. I don't care about the free throws. But even in that situation, he was just bad. Now, the free throws are bad, 47%. But 11 points, 28 minutes, 12 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, 61%. Was relatively healthy. Played 74 games. Just struggled. So what dropped off between this year and last year? It's three fewer minutes, four fewer points, two fewer rebounds, 0.7 fewer blocks. That hurt. All that stuff hurts. And when your game is based on rebounds and blocks mainly, and you lose those in such big, big quantities, you're in trouble. Interestingly, over the final six games of the season, he played 25 minutes and averaged 14 and 12. So the usage, the efficiency, all that stuff went up. 
but he was really very much um, lower in terms. He went from 19 usage down to 15 usage this season. The 19 usage always felt a little bit anomalous to me. That's why I was a little bit down on him heading into the season, but not to this level. And he was, at times, it was really hard to roster him, of course. The free throw percentage is an issue, and you do have to pump that if you do have Capella. In a points league, he was the 66th ranked player. He averaged 33 fantasy points. But I say all of this to say that in the advanced stats, he was great. 2.7 Raptor, second on the team. 2.7 EPM, that's 90th percentile in the entire NBA. Offensively and defensively, big positives. Great Great efficiency numbers, unbelievable rebound numbers. In LeBron, second on the team, only a bee's dick behind Trey Young. Darko, third on this team. Still really strong numbers, plus 3.9 on off. So while we can like what a Kongu does, and I do, and we can believe a Kongu is the future, and yes, I believe that very firmly, the disappointment in Capella for fantasy is not 100% reflected in his on-court impact this year. So while it might go, well, they've got Okongwu, Capella struggled, they're going to trade him. Maybe no, maybe they don't. Maybe they give it another year. It's all going to be, I depend, oh, no, I depend, I expect on what return they get in a deal for Capella if they actually pull that trigger. Are they ready to do that? Would they rather have 48 minutes of good center play, excellent center play, excellent center defensive play, or trade Capella, go with Okongwu, and then if he gets hurt, you're fucked. Which one do they do? So while I like a Kongwu and there is a chance that he's a starter, you go, when you go back and, and re-look at the season, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Will Capella maybe play 27 or 26 a night now, 25 a night as he deals with this persistent heel and Achilles issue? It's possible. Will that lead to him being undrafted? I, I don't think so because the value in punt free throws is still going to be top 100. But any, I would think any inkling of top 50 for Clint Capella is probably, probably at this point, cooked. Let's look at Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was 96th in category leagues. His ADP was 76. That always felt a little bit high to me because you were basing that on, hey, he's got to do what he did last year, which came with Reddish and Hunter out all season, and he's got to shoot 46% from three again, which is, again, what happened last year, which is not realistic. Bogdanovich played 63 games, 29 minutes. He's about to turn 30 as well, Bogdan. He averaged 15, 4, and 3. Solid numbers. A steal, 2.7 triples, 43 and 84. They're, they're fine numbers. In a points league, he was 106th. The value for him came by hitting three threes per game, or almost three threes per game. That's his number one fantasy category by a significant margin. Everything else is just like average, marginally above, or marginally below. He doesn't actually stand out in any one area. And so much of it just does depend on how efficient he can be. He ended up 37% from three, which is a strong number. But it's not the 46 that he was the year before. And it's always another lesson that we learn when someone's numbers are based on insane shooting. And unless they're a 0.01 percentile shooter, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, even Steph dropped off. Like you don't bank on 44. You don't bank on 45. You bank on 39, 40, 41 maybe. And adjust based on that. Bogdanovich was third on this team in Raptor. He's a really good offensive player. But again, they just don't push him under under 30 minutes. With Herder, with Hunter, with Wright, with Young. They don't need him to play those 35. EPM, he was pretty strong. Marginally negative defensively, but huge offensively. Doesn't finish at the rim very well. Doesn't really get to the rim very much at all. And hit 50% of his mids, which is a little bit of a worry for regression there, I guess. And he's... 
Assist to turnover numbers were really good as well. Solid steal numbers. Yeah, he's high up in all of the advanced metrics. Second on this team in Darko. Yeah, he's a really valuable player and his value on Darko has risen hugely and it's continued to rise. He's really good. But, yeah, plus 6.3 on off. But where where does it improve? Well, it's just going to be minutes, really. 15, 4, and 3. You play 33 minutes, it's 18, 5, and 4. That's good. The efficiency is fine. He's not going to get to the line. I don't see massive change. He's 30 years old as well. So, you know, can we have another one or two top 100 seasons? I'd bank probably one would be my guess for Bogdan Bogdanovic. That's the four top 100 players for the Hawks. Let's look at their next standard league-ish relevant guy, and that's Onyeka Okongwu, who was the 138th ranked player this year despite playing under 21 minutes a night. He, he missed the start of the season, as he has both of his years in the NBA, toe issue first year. Shoulder-torn uh, labrum this year. Ended up with just 48 games. 21 minutes, 8 and 6. 0.6 blocks, 1.3... Sorry, 0.6 steals, 1.3 blocks. 69 and 73. So that's a huge start. When you get gigantic field goal percentage with solid free throw percentage. Now, 73 is not a positive in free throw, but it's not a negative. Well, you know, it's not a big negative. You pair that with good block numbers and strong rebound numbers. You've got a really solid foundation here. In a points league, he's not quite as good. 179th, averaging 22 fantasy points per game. But I really like a Kongwu, who is, is only 21. Like he's only just turned 21. Give it two years, and I'm fairly confident he's going to be a 29 to 30 minute a night center, who's a persistent, and why do I say persistent? A consistent, at least top 60 guy, who'll probably top out with some top 40 seasons, is my guess. The advanced stats were okay with him, especially defensively. He's got a long way to go offensively. I think there's actually scope for him to improve as a passer as well. So watch his assist. But plus two defensive Raptors, a big number. 1.9 overall. EPM had him fourth on this team, plus 1.5 ahead of Bogdanovich. With you know really strong, yeah, 69% effective field goal percentage is a huge number. Giggity. Yeah, it is. 72% finishing at the rim. Big offensive rebounder. Great shot blocking numbers. LeBron loved his work as well, offensively and defensively. Um, fourth on this team in Darko with huge, huge strides as the season went on. I talked about Capella being a plus 3.9 on off. Kongu is a plus 4.4 as, as his backup. That's huge. That's, they're really impressive numbers. So I still, I don't know that it happens next season, but I still look at him as a top 40, maybe top 30 dynasty asset. When, he's, when you think he's 21, right, maybe he takes the job at 23. And he does it until 28. So you get five years of maybe top 40 production out of him. That's worth top 30 value in a dynasty league. And dynasty is a bit different because you can say, well, he might never have a top 30 season. But getting someone who has six top 40 seasons is worth a top 30 asset. Same as like Luca. You can take Luca number one in a dynasty league. And he may never have a number one overall season in fantasy in category leagues. May never. But he might have a top 10 season for 12 years. And that's worth it. Versus Jokic, who might have four top number one seasons, but he's done in five years. So that's that's the difference. I'm not saying that Jokic can't be one, but I think that's the difference in thought process there in a dynasty format. Let's go to Fanta Pants, Kevin Herter. 154th. He was a guy that I was skeptical of this season because, again, a lot of his value came because Hunter and Reddish are out. And this year, there were guys out as well. Bogdanovich missed a little bit of time. Um, Gallinari missed time. Hunter, of course, missed time as always. And he played his 30 minutes. But on a healthy team, less so now that Reddish is gone, like what is his role? He still didn't play 30 minutes, 
12, 3, and 3, 45, and 81. No steals, no blocks. I don't really see a top 80 fantasy guy in Herder. He was solid enough. 2.8 Raptor War. That's solid. Six on the team. He's got his contract extension kicking in at four more years at average of about $15, $16 million a year. It's probably too much. He's still only 23 though, but I don't know. I don't know where it goes. Like he's, he's good. He's solid. Top 100 fantasy seasons over under 0.5 would be my guess. Because I just, you know, the lack of defensive stats, the lack of rebounds, the low usage, the low minutes, the inconsistent efficiency, it all hampers him. All of his advanced stats place him firmly in the middle of the pack. Plus 4.9 on-off is a good number. But I'm not really... I don't look at him as this guy that's just waiting to break out. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock! He's going to be 34 soon. He's old. 25 minutes a game, 12 and 5. His value is getting 90% shooting from the line on two and a half attempts. That's it, and that contributes to his scoring. Never going to get defensive stats, low rebound, low assists. And he's old, and he's going to miss time. Yeah, we're never going to draft him in fantasy leagues. We'll pick him up. We'll stream him in when Collins is out. He has use there. He's solid enough. He's atrocious defensively. But offensively, he's still really strong with that ability to get to the line. That's really important. And he does it consistently. And he's done it consistently for years. But we've seen the drop-off for him really take place. And I imagine it's going to continue to go in that downwards direction. And you know, eventually, you won't want him playing 25 minutes a night. The next guy is pretty controversial, John Ray Hunter. I know a lot of people are massively high on him. He was a guy that I was, okay, let's take a flyer last round. Because he did put up that really strong start to last season. One which I called pretty much completely unsustainable because of some of the shooting and usage numbers. Then he had multiple knee surgeries. And then he you know, was shithouse this year. Then he had a wrist surgery. And there's just always something wrong with him. He was actually looked really bad from a category league perspective. So what happened between this year and last year? Because the minutes are the same. It's B's dick under 30. He averaged 1.5 fewer points, but he did it by shooting instead of 58 from two, he went down to 48. Now the realistic expectation for Hunter somewhere in the middle there. I didn't say where he was. He was a 230th ranked player this year. 230th. He averaged 13, 3, and 1. 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks on 44 and 77. Like, they're terrible numbers. His rebounding dropped off this year. His assists dropped off. His efficiency fell way off, and he couldn't hit free throws. I think the free throws might bounce back to at least 81, 82, but they were way down. His threes is 38% pretty strong, but doesn't take them. 3.7 attempts is not a big number. Only 33% of his attempts coming from three. It's not enough. He's just a bad category fantasy player. Points leagues, he's not much better. He was 21 fantasy points per game. One of those guys, again, he's an elite defender. Don't worry about his lack of stats in college. That's Virginia's system. Well, maybe not. Because the lack of stats in college have absolutely 100% translated over to uh, the NBA. He just doesn't do anything. He's not a high usage player. He's not a high efficiency player. He's a terrible passer and defensive stat generator. He doesn't take enough threes, and he doesn't get many rebounds. Do I expect him to be better than he was this year? Yep. Would I ever consider him as a top 100 guy? No, you're going to need to do a lot to change my mind. He was just bad this year. And the advanced stacks actually hate him as well. Like, they're really down on him. 41st percentile in EPM. A negative 2.1 Raptors, a bad number. 
His LeBron, I think, is pretty shocking. Yeah, it's shit house. It's way down. Like, it's Timotei Luawu Cabro level. He's just really struggling. I don't know what it is that he does well. Nice little surge last season and hasn't been anywhere close to being able to maintain that. Negative 1.6 on off. I do expect better from him next year. He's he's 24, so he's not the youngest player out there. He's older than Herder. He's the same age as John Collins. He's not the youngest player out there. Um, but I'm I'm writing off the defensive stats and the assists. They're never coming. So he's going to need to go back to being a high usage, hyper efficient player. And I think banking on that is really tough. Like I don't know how you can put your faith in that being something that's going to happen. Dillon Wright, he's only 30. 19 minutes, only four points, but what he does is bring defense. 1.2 steals per game. And that's always useful when Trey Young has to sit a game. DeLon's going to be a great streamer. His advanced stats are massively strong because of how good he was defensively. And, he is, and you just watch him. He's really good defensively. Where did he finish on this team? On, uh, sorry, on Raptor, he was fifth on this team. On LeBron, he was sixth. Like the defensive numbers for him are super strong. Is there much upside left in DeLon Wright? Probably not. But as a wing slash point guard defender, he's really good. He's a plus 1.9 as Trey Young's backup. That's pretty strong as well. It's all going to depend on where he goes. But wherever he goes, watch the situation. Watch who's in front of him. And watch as an excellent source of steals as a streamer and a guy that's always Tyus Jones-esque. Plug and play. Starters out. You add D-line in because he's going to be pretty useful. I don't need to talk about Lou Williams or Googie Jeng, I don't think. Let's... Let's talk about Timotei Lawawu-Cabro, who played 13 minutes a night, 53 games. I don't know why they persisted with starting him for as long as they did. I don't know why they kept him in the rotation as long as they did. Surely that spot goes to somebody else like Jalen Johnson next season. He shot under 40% from the field. He didn't get an assist. He didn't get two rebounds. He didn't get 0.4 steals. He was at 0.3. Like, these are really low numbers. His advanced stats were all fairly putrid. Raptor hated him. Um, he was down the bottom in, Le- in LeBron, right down the bottom. EPM hated him. I just don't know why he played as much as he did. His on-off was a negative 5.4. There was just no need for it, honestly. Um, I, I don't know why they... Pers- I know they didn't have many options, but towards the end, yeah, Jalen Johnson was there. You, you could have used him. So it was it was frustrating to me to not see him play. Skylar May showed a little bit in his games, but I don't really think he's a long-term NBA player. But let's look at the two rookies. Let's look at Jalen Johnson, who we only saw five minutes a game over 22 games, so it's not a huge sample size. His advanced Raptor stuff is rough because yeah, it, it Raptor hates that small sample size. His EPM is pretty rough as well. I like to look at LeBron on those small sample size stuff, and he wasn't particularly great there, negative 1.45. That's still better than Lou Williams or DeAndre Hunter or Timotei Lawawu-Cabro. I think there's still plenty of upside in Jalen. We just didn't get to see much of it this year. So what did he do in the G League? 11 games, 21 and 11, over four assists, 1.5 blocks, shot 30% from three, but importantly, took four a game. This is a guy who I think will become the John Collins replacement. He's got a lot of the same John Collins-ish things. Can take some threes, can score and rebound. Passing is improved. Good defensive stats. But he's a better defender than Collins. Probably won't be as high usage as John. But I do think that investing in him in Dynasty is is good. And if we're looking at someone who, yeah, three years' time will be putting up top 70s, I think this is the guy. I think he's a guy to look at. 
Their other pick was a guy that I really liked in the draft and then fell down a lot. He's really small and his shooting's an issue and that's Sharif Cooper. When he played in the NBA, he didn't do anything to get me interested. Three minutes a game, shot 21%. In fact, he was dreadful. Half a point, half a rebound, half an assist. Like they're honestly horrific numbers. Yeah, negative 23.4 Raptor. I don't know how that's possible. Negative 6.5 EPM. But these guys just didn't play enough. So what did he do in the G League? 24 games, 16, 4, and 7 with a steal. Now, importantly, a guy that struggled so much shooting, 36% from three on four attempts per game. It's 33% of his shot attempts. I'd like that to go up higher. But the fact that he hit 91 from the line, always been a great free throw shooter, but took it to 36 from three, it's important. Is he going to have an impact next year? I would doubt that. But I do think that as a future backup point guard, who maybe could become a starter, probably not. I'm not ruling him out as having at least some level of impact in the NBA. Less so than I thought before the draft, but I'm not ruling out him having an impact. I think there is, there's definitely fantasy upside in his ability to get points, um, hit free throws at a high rate, get to the line at a high rate, and dish out assists. All that stuff is extraordinarily fantasy valuable. So when you're in very deep dynasty formats, like there is something there with him just because of that very rare combination and the ability for him to do that in such high volume. Who else do I need to talk about on this team? I reckon we've probably done with players on the Hawks. Kevin Knox, I, I, he's, I think his NBA career is over, to be honest. Um, Chaundy Brown played five games here. Yeah, we don't need to talk about those guys. So that'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.